G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. We're going to be talking about Russia. We're going to be talking about the West. Of course, Australia, one of those Western nations. We're going to talk about our freedoms, freedom of speech. You know, the idea that you and I can think, believe, analyse facts, converse with others, communicate our thoughts and feelings through spoken or written word. It's been a founding principle of our modern Western democracies. It's allowed individuals to question established beliefs, narratives and ideas, including government policies. Well, our special guest today recently returned from a trip to Russia, and he's started asking questions about the state of our world, including our personal freedoms in the West. Dr. Michael Sutton is writing a book on Russia. It's called Journey to the Forbidden Land, and he's revising his book, which is called Is Russia Our Enemy? In fact, it's just been released, a study of Christ's defeat of our true enemy, Satan. Dr. Michael Sutton is a political economist, a professor, a pastor. He's now a publisher and back with us once again today. Michael Sutton, a special welcome back to 2020. Oh, thank you very much, Neil. It's so wonderful to be with you again. Thank you very much. And Michael, upon your return from Russia, you've written a thought-provoking article too uh, that was published by the Brownstone Institute called A Letter from a Forbidden Land. Uh, you better take us into this. Uh, tell us about your visit. Some of us might even be surprised that you can actually visit Russia in this day and age. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Give us your story. Well, the government doesn't want us to visit Russia. There are, you know, there's, if you go to the DFAT webpage, they'll tell you that you shouldn't go to Russia. Um, but it's a bit of a problem for the many thousands of Russian, uh, Russian Australians who live here and their families and friends and people who just want to visit. Um, you can't get travel insurance uh, from Australia and um, you can't uh, have currency exchange. But when you get to Russia, you find it's a remarkable place. It's a beautiful country. It's a vast country. I think that's what strikes you. It's a vast nation and um, I caught the um, we caught the uh, Trans-Siberian Railway <clears throat> across half of the country and what's remarkable that, about Russia is it's a very multi-ethnic and also multi-religious society there are laws uh, prohibiting the I guess the proselytizing of people across those kinds of um, religious boundaries which is understandable in a country that has very large Buddhist and Muslim populations and Christian populations but what struck me when when I was in Moscow um, standing on the bridge in front of the the largest cathedral uh, in Russia that was built after the Cold War ended, that there are churches almost um, everywhere. Um, and everywhere around Russia, uh, there was a, a, a church that was built on an old bus station. And through that church, uh, a number of people came to Christ. Um, and people remember that, ah, oh, that's the church at the bus station. And there are chapels in parks, there's chapels in universities, University professors can go and pray after their lectures. And so what you see in Russia is they have had uh, under Lenin, but particularly through Stalin, um, an appalling uh, persecution of, of Christians. 
Um, and Christians were forbidden to uh, practice their faith. Millions were sent to the gulags and so on. But so what they did, the Christians who were not killed or put into prison, they internalized their faith. They made it their own. They kept on to their faith and it became a real personal faith in God and Christ. And when the, the Soviet Union um, became the Russian Federation, you see a great flourishing of faith in Russia. And it's a really encouraging encouraging thing to see so you were only there something like uh, just a month ago and yep. uh, you saw there is actually quite a significant freedom of religion insofar as christians flourishing in their churches is that the way you're describing absolutely. russia today absolutely there's great freedom um i mean it's it's uh, i went to a had the great privilege of meeting the abbot of a monastery uh, he's responsible for uh this tragic place where they um, the the Bolsheviks um, got rid of the bodies of the Romanovs and they uh, tossed them in this pit and they they destroyed them as well where they massacred the Romanovs where they put them and they've built a monastery there and I had the privilege of meeting the abbot from this monastery a lovely man um, and they he had a sense of peace about him and a sense of I guess Christ's presence that I haven't encountered in a long time with someone in the church and I asked him what are the challenges facing Russia today in terms of Christian witness and he said something that really resonated with me he said we don't have a problem with the government anymore and I thought what a remarkable remarkable statement we don't have a problem with the government anymore and so what I took away from that was that there is uh, Russia is uh, you are seeing a, a return to a kind of a uh, a society where people are free to to practice their faith and free to to worship God, free to follow Christ in their own way, um, in a society which is which we say is an oppressive society, but in fact, um, in Russia, um, men and men and women are women, and and that's just the way it is. In fact, I'm sure there'll be listeners uh, who are hearing things here in this conversation that uh, raise all sorts of questions about. Uh, inconsistencies here because when we think of uh, Russia and the invasion of Ukraine and uh, very few people uh, think that that's anything other than one state imposing itself on another state across borders and they ought not do that but we think of uh, Putin uh, Vladimir Putin as a brutal dictator because he is doing that in Ukraine um, but that creates some sort of inconsistency, doesn't it? Because in in most of the brutal dictatorships that we might be able to see from history, there's been dreadful persecution of Christians. And so the inconsistency is that you're saying Christians are flourishing in Russia and uh, the brutal dictator is not on their backs. Any thoughts here? Well, it's not. For Neil, if you look at our history, even our own English Australian history, it's not uncommon for Christian nations to to fight each other. If you look at the English Civil War, you had both sides um, praying to God before the battle at Naseby, um, and that's a famous example of that. And then you have, uh, um, of course, the most famous example is the American Civil War, where both sides of that conflict were were both praying to God. Um, we have many testimonies that um, Robert E. Lee was a, a follower of Christ and Abraham Lincoln was a follower of Christ. So you have both both sides of that conflict, both believing in God. Um, and Jesus did say that when he returns, um, his, his uh, second um, coming will 
um, be prefaced by wars and rumours of wars. And so wars will always be with us. And and also, Neil, we have to remember that you know our own in our own backyard, Australia has participated in the Afghan-Iraq conflicts, which we went to war and um, sent those poor nations back to the Stone Age for 20 years. So these were democratic nations like Australia and America going in. Um, looking for weapons of mass destruction that weren't there and looking for a guy we knew was living in Pakistan. So it's not, it's it's, it's sort of like we are, wars are not just fought by um, authoritarian states. Unfortunately, war is a consequence. And as James says in his letter, why do you fight? It's because you want it, so you take it. Um, and you, you know, we, we do it because it's the nature of sin. And sin will always be with us. Um, and the answer to sin, of course, is the death and resurrection of Christ, who brings um, the only hope and freedom that we can have as as humans. Michael, what were you picking up from Christian believers uh, that you were talking to in Russia? And as you say, there's something that they're enjoying in freedom, uh, freedom of religion and uh, the church is flourishing. Uh, does do Christians typically support uh, what has been happening under Putin and the uh, in the invasion of Ukraine? Two two traditions of of Christianity that I saw in Russia. Uh, one is that um, what some very eager Christians have done is is put crosses at the entrance to lots of cities, these giant crosses, and so um, uh, not all not all Russians are that happy about this. Um, and so there's a tradition, there's a sort of a religious tradition, we'd say like a revival of orthodoxy. Uh, and so there's lots of chapels and there's lots of um, uh, crosses and a lot of people wear crosses. And a lot of people pray and they go to, to all those things. And there are a lot of people who remember, um, whose families remember the past. And so in those families, they have revived a lot of those orthodox traditions. Um, then the other Christians, there's also the old believers too in Russia, which I didn't know anything about. This is a very fascinating group of Russians where they were they were uh, entire cities and communities called old believers and they refused to accept the uh, amendments or changes to the Orthodox Church. And they're a little bit like the Amish, I suppose, in America, but they're very devout people, very uh, sincere followers of Christ and they have built these communities and these towns where they practice their faith. And then there's another another strand of Christianity in Russia, which is um, an internal faith, a, a personal faith, where they don't follow a particular creed or or church building or church organization, but they follow Christ, they follow God in their own way, um, something like the non-church movement in Japan. So there's, there's very much a thread, sev several threads of Christianity in Russia, when you think of it, um, but Russians are very, you know, they're very open about talking about their their lives, and uh, I mean, everyone's aware of the conflict in the Ukraine. Uh, they're aware of the origins of the conflict dating back to 2014, when Amer when America helped to topple the democratically elected government in um, in Ukraine and put in their puppets. And uh, you know, and you see it on Zelensky's face; he's like a a kite in a whirlwind. He doesn't know what whether he's coming or going. And you see little glimpses of Zelensky at the United Nations, where he actually says his opinion publicly and everyone condemns him um, and my my great fear with with this whole situation is that America will betray the Ukraine like they betrayed the Kurds um, and then we'll just move on to the next conflict which may be in Africa maybe climate change ultimately what needs to happen is there needs to be um, peace settlement uh, negotiation uh, sadly the churches are aiming for total defeat of Russia which will not happen Russia will 
will prevail in this conflict. They just simply have more factories. Um, it's like the, you know, it's like the civil war in in America. The the North won because they had the military might, and Russia will win because they have the factories and the weapons. Um, doesn't matter how many Abrams tanks America sends them. A few things that are inconsistent with the sorts of impressions that might be left in your heart and mind around who the true enemy is when we look at all of the different conflicts. But we are getting a bit of a focus today on Russia and the Ukraine conflict. Our special guest, Dr. Michael Sutton, has just returned from a visit to Russia, where religious freedom, the church in Russia, is flourishing in a level of freedom they've perhaps not been used to. And yet there are some rising issues that we have in the re- in the West uh, that's putting lots of our freedoms at threat. Uh, Michael, we'll take some calls shortly, but on this issue, so far as the Western nations, and Australia is a Western nation, we've seen lots of our own freedoms coming under threat. Your reflections here from your visit to Russia and uh, thoughts about some rising threats here. Yeah, no, absolutely, Neil. I think what, what really struck me in the West... Um, I um I had this privilege of meeting this family who were living in in Russia, and she told me um the wife told me the story of her grandmother, uh, and she lived in, um, <clears throat> I think it was Belarus before the war, and uh, Belarus was part of the old Soviet Union, and they, anyway, there was this guy in their town who didn't like them, and uh, didn't like them because they had a cow, and so he went to the um, KGB and reported on them, and well the KGB in those days. And reported them reported on them that they were enemies of the state, and so they were then uh, persecuted. They had children, and they had to forcibly move from one side of Russia to the other. Um, and this lady had a, had great faith uh, in Jesus, and they went and they lost their kids. All their kids perished, um, and then they re-established in the middle of Russia in the Ural Mountains, and they built a, a, a life for themselves. They were very successful. God blessed them in their lives, and they, they, all their children were successful. And um, then at the end of their life, they went back to that old town, and there was almost no one left in that town um, except the man who had, who was their Judas, who had betrayed them. And they went to him and said to him, was it worth it? And he just looked at them in horror that they were still alive. And for me, it was a real great story of faith that um, the mother, the grandmother used to say, the Lord God will lead me, the Lord God will lead me. So despite all the persecution under Stalin, she still had her faith within her. Um, and yet um, the terrible things happen because this man didn't like them. He makes up an accusation and they get persecuted. And that's where we are today in the West. We have what what misery that the, the Russians experienced under Stalin. It is what we're, we're, we're entering into at the moment. You have these soldiers who are going off to fight for freedom in the Ukraine against Russia. And when they come back, they, they might be prosecuted, cancelled or sued, sued if they say something as radical as um, only women can get pregnant or Christ is Lord or, 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 or things that we used to say every day but now we're not allowed to say. And so what we're seeing in Russia and in China is we're seeing that they went through hell the Maoist period was a nightmare. The Stalin period, Stalinist period was a nightmare. But God in his wisdom has resurrected his people in those places. And so whatever future they have, they are not going to have the nightmare that, that God has in store for us. Because um, the future of Australia, as, as a lot of your listeners will know, is that free speech is under attack. Our democracy is under attack like never before. 
unlike anything we've ever seen, particularly in COVID hysteria where they shut down everything, closed down the churches. Now we're being told with the uh, this um, um, so-called referendum, you must vote yes. <laughs> you don't see many no votes, no placards around because people will get persecuted if they express their opinion. So, so I mean, where's the better place to live in a country like Russia or in Australia where persecution looks like it's just around the corner? Well, there are controversial elements to a conversation like this, and it may be raising some issues for you. Well, our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Alex is in Melbourne. Hi, Alex. Welcome along. Oh, <clears throat> hello, Neil. Welcome back. Yes, um, I'm a bit confused. Uh, with uh, I'm pretty sure I heard on the Vision News uh, maybe a week or two ago there was... a. Um, a pastor from a Baptist pastor from Russia had to leave Russia. I think his name was Yuri Sipko. I think was mentioned on the on the um, on the news. And I thought, well, uh, because he was, oh, I'm not too sure whether he was praying for both Russia and Ukraine or, or what the situation was. But he something like that was said, and I just got the the gist gist of it and I'm, I'm thinking but this doesn't make sense now. <laughs> this uh, doesn't make sense and uh, I'll get Michael in on this because when you hear these sorts of stories and there are pastors who are outspoken I guess it's one thing to be allowed to flourish in freedom but if you do say the wrong thing that rubs up against the regime then you are going to be in trouble aren't you so we're, a thought or two here from Michael. Well, if you read my book, very controversial book, um, Is God on America's Side? I, I take take to issue the whole idea of free speech because from the Christian viewpoint, there really is no such thing as free speech because, uh, you know, James says that our tongue is like a raging fire and what we say can build or destroy, discourage or um, discourage, uh, encourage or discourage. And so we are, we're, we're encouraged to be very careful how we speak. And there are lots of laws around what we can and can't say anyway, even in our... Uh, free society, you can't slander anyone, you can't, uh, you know, make up stories about people. And it astounds me, you know, like, you know, have the very rich people uh, like Hillary Clinton and people like that, horrible things have been said about them by so many people and they just choose not to sue people because, but there's, it's entirely their right to do so. There are restrictions in Australia on what we can and can't say. Um, and they're there for very good reason. Um, but, um, I mean, every country is different. Every country has different rules about what you can and can't say. I mean, I reflect on St. Paul where he he talks about Christ is Lord, um, and yet he was a, uh, you know, whenever he said Christ is Lord, that was, a, I guess, a, an affront to the, um, to the Roman Empire. But at the same time, he used his Russian, uh, not Russian, he used his, um, uh, his Roman citizenship to, to advance the gospel. And so it's a, it's a complex kind of world we live in. I think we have to find the um, the light uh, in the dark places um, and we have to manoeuvre as God sees us. Alex, in Melbourne, anything more to add, Alex? Oh, oh well, I, I'm pretty sure the uh, Russian Orthodox would do their best to be uh, uh, on the side of uh, Mr. Put, Putin there. But um, anyway, I, I don't know. I, I just like to read the word of God because that's the real light in there and uh, real freedom is in the Lord Jesus Christ in our life if we can 
fight the good fight. God help us. Alex, thanks so much for your contribution. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Interesting to raise this because in my understanding, and you might have some other insight here, Michael, uh, while in the West we still have in many instances separation of church and state. In other words, the state does not have control over the church. From what I understand, in Russia, uh, the Russian Orthodox Church is under the thumb of the uh, Communist Party under Putin, and uh, they do have some right of veto over who is appointed as a bishop or an archbishop. Uh, any any thoughts? I mean, you've got about a minute to, to news. Uh, time's yes, running short, yes. but any thoughts? I agree, I agree with Alex. I agree with Alex. It's, the freedom comes through Christ, and Alex is absolutely right. Our freedom is in Jesus Christ. Uh, there's no communist party in Russia, as, as, I, as I understand it. Putin's not a uh, not a communist. Um, but 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 the West doesn't have separation church and state. Our, our uh, we've we've never had that. We have churches that survive through tax exemptions. Um, they survive through um, whatever the state decides for them. And there's strong relationships between uh, the church's education system and and government policy. So it's. Yeah, there's not really a, a strict. We're not. We're not the United States. We don't have that strict separation of church and state in Australia. But um, I think what's interesting is that we we are called to follow. Why don't we take some calls from listeners? Let's hear from Katie, who is in Nil in Victoria. Hi, Katie. Welcome along. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? Very well, Katie. What are your thoughts? Um. Yeah, sorry, I actually came in partway through the conversation. I heard something about it earlier and I was trying to avoid it because, to be honest, I get anxiety and just stressed out even thinking about the way the Western countries are going, including Australia. Um, So I try and think about it as little as I can, to be honest, because it upsets me. Um, I just want to just speak about something, talking about privacy issues, because we know that a lot of information is collected you know, online, on Facebook and Google and all that sort of stuff. But even on our phones, like I know some people that uh, weren't vaccinated and they suddenly in some time in the middle of COVID started getting this encrypted messaging system on their phones. And it's only like specific people I know that weren't vaccinated. I mean, other people may have it, but I noticed last night on 60 Minutes that, you know, and this politician may have done something illegal and that's okay, that's another issue. But what I'm saying is they said, 60 Minutes said that they had collected hundreds of hours or something or they'd watched over numerous years of this person's messaging from encrypted messages. And I even feel like, I know this might sound a bit paranoid, but I honestly think that the government is collecting or someone somewhere is collecting this information and, you know, it could come back to bite us in like three years or Katie, you're raising some important issues and there's certainly a a way that this is a part of our conversation in some sense. Let's come to our guest today, Dr Michael Sutton, because all this information gathering, uh, our privacy issues, our freedom issues, uh, surveillance issues, and this is what I think Katie is referring to, no one is safe, no one has levels of privacy and freedom, and there's always that risk that those things that are said in past and they're on the record uh, digitally by way of our data and our metadata, those can be used against us. And this would be something that we'd often refer to as happening in nations like Russia or in China where surveillance is so 
significant that this is the way that the government controls the people. Any thoughts here for Katie? Well, the difference between this is a really good question, Katie. It's it's a, um, a bit, bit from left field, but it's very it's very important. Uh, what you have in um, societies need something to hold them together. So, in an authoritarian society, um, uh, that you need force. Usually, force or the rule of law is very important. And so, if people people fall out of line, they they go to prison. So, it's force that holds them together in authoritarian states. But in in a, in societies like Australia, which is at least claims to be a democracy, what holds society together is propaganda. And propaganda is essentially persuasion. We're encouraged to behave in certain ways. Um, and and uh, indicative of, I guess, decline in the in the government's uh, belief that people are good, we see the rise in a surveillance state in the West. And so we see a greater paranoia. The paranoia isn't us. The paranoia is in the government. And we see it in their, their dumbing down of the population through um, social media. They want to make us as stupid as possible, as dumb as possible. Uh, because the greatest human resource is is you, Katie, and it's everyone else who listens. Because God's given us a brain, which is the most amazing thing ever created by God. And Amen. governments in the West, they don't want us to use our brain. Um, mm-hmm. They want us to just do as we're told. And so it's probably uh, a reflection, I think, of the government. Certainly since 9-11, the government in the West, they're declining faith in their own people to trust them. Uh, trust them to believe in a certain way, behave in a certain way. Uh, and this happened a century ago as well, this this uh, crisis of confidence within the government. Um, if you go back to the beginning decade of the decades of the 20th century, the great fear was what happened in Russia with the Russian Revolution. Terrible fear over that that might happen in America or Australia. And so as a result of that was the welfare state to, I guess, placate um, uh, the poor and prevent them from rising up against the government. And so we've, we've had the welfare state for 100 years now, and so we're coming towards the end of a, uh, this period, and so there's this rising paranoia of the government. So I think you've, you've really hit the nail on the head there, Katie. And how we, how we go from there, well, that's a, another question entirely. <laughs> Katie, Thank anything you. further to add? Uh, no, I just, I just think it's really sad. It just, like, it breaks my heart. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it's just... It's good. It's great that you, you're all talking about it, and we do have to keep, you know, seeking to try and do God's will every day and serve the Lord, um, even if things become really difficult. I mean, even if, you know, even if we go to jail for our faith, because <laughs> um, I think that's, I mean, that's where a lot of this is heading. And you know, we just hopefully, um, well, we know that the Lord's coming soon, and and we need to try and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Well done, um, Katie. And I think that that's all we can really do. That's, I mean, there's other things we can do, but that's that's mainly what we can do as, as individual believers. Katie, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's just stay with this for a moment and uh, just to put you into a little corner here, Michael, put you on the spot. Uh, as Christians, we appreciate the gospel message. There is a proclamation of that message. Uh, Some people would say that over many centuries uh, of the church, uh, the church has been a little bit coercive and even propaganda-oriented as well. The difference between this proclamation and propaganda, I mean, as Christians, we have this proclamation of the gospel. There is a narrative around God's 
revealed uh, way of seeing things, believing things. But you've got this propaganda that's coming from some of these coercive uh, authoritarian states and uh, growing here in Australia too. Any thoughts here around uh, around the thoughts of propaganda and coercion and, and who we put our f- trust and faith in? I think that that's a really good question, Neil. I think that um, what you have increasingly since 9-11 probably uh, is an increasing, I guess we've adopted a lot of American thinking about politics and about the world and we've kind of been sucked in like a vacuum cleaner sucked us into the american culture war and so you have a lot of christians talking about um the left-wing view or the communist view and like communist china there's no communist china is long gone it's a socialist market economy um or there's the right view or christians must be left view they can't be they can't have a left-wing view they must be right wing i'd like to always like to say that there's the view on the right there's the view on the left, and then there's the truth. Uh, and the truth always comes from the scriptures. Um, that's God's word to us. And I think I'd encourage your readers to open the Bible and read the Bible and let God speak through his word, uh, what he wants to say to them at that particular day. And and God says that he will give you know to people wisdom if they ask for it, if they want it. Uh, and the answers to all our problems are, are met in the scriptures that God has um, promised to us. But there are a lot of things he doesn't promise to us. He doesn't promise, you know, nice sports cars and, and nice houses. Um, but he does give us his son. Um, and in, in the son, there is freedom, there's life, and there's reconciliation to God. So uh, everything we need in life is found in the son, and we must follow him wherever that, wherever that leads. Of course, it's an interesting conversation, isn't it, to talk about how you establish and understand the truth. It's all very well to say, uh, open the Bible and truth will be there. But there's a certain discernment of how that truth applies uh, to all of the circumstances that we might be uh, trying to assess, uh, the issues that a nation focuses, the the issues that a family or a community focuses on, uh, discerning the truth. And, and I guess some of those things you boil down to some rules rules of thumb about what a Christian believes, and as you say, uh, not necessarily right or left, but how do we discern truth out of what God says? Now, let me just put you on the spot again here, Michael, because there's uh, there's other big issues that we're talking about now, and, and you know, uh, the, the last caller who called through, uh, Katie, I mean, she was saying, you know, uh, things like, you know, dumbing down and uh, uh, the surveillance idea of trying to control people. Is there something here that we can talk around, perhaps even, you know, what is one of the most relevant issues to Australians right now? The voice. We're going to be asked to vote yes or no on the 14th of October. Some will say there's been a huge dumbing down of trying to understand what that might mean. Uh, give us your insights here into, into how you make that sort of discernment, perhaps even using the voice as an example. Okay, well... Um your listeners might be interested in a, in my my uh, the subject for today's podcast in my series, which is what is God's opinion on the voice to Parliament, which was available today with Spotify with freedomatterstoday.com. But I was reading the Katie mentioned looking under Jesus, um, the author and perfecter of our faith. I think she was quoting from Hebrews there, and and I've, I'm starting a new series where I'm going through Hebrews and looking at um, who is Jesus, the nature of Jesus, and. I keep coming back when I'm thinking about the voice to that first uh, chapter one, verse one, where it says, long ago, God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. 
So for me, the voice, the only voice that matters is the voice of God through the Son. And so we need to dwell on the, the identity, the words, the actions of Christ. And when we've run out of time looking at that, we should look at it again. Um, for me, uh, God gives us a brain and he's given us reason. And we ultimately, for decisions of politics, we must make up our own mind uh, on these things. I remember there was there was a famous Australian politician who was asked his opinion on some topic and he said he, this was his decision and, and he, he was asked, well, what's the Christian view? He said, well, look, I'm a Christian, I follow Jesus, but I'm approaching this issue from my understanding of politics. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a man or a woman wanting to be a soldier, for example. God honours the profession. He honours the men in Russia who are fighting for Russia, the ones who are fighting for Ukraine. He honours men and women who decide to serve their country. Um, but he doesn't tell us which side he's on in a war. Nowhere in scriptures does he say he's on the side of the left or the right or the up or the down. That Those things are hidden from us. And it's a good thing because if we knew uh, that God was on the side of, of a particular side in battle, then we would know that the deaths of those men and women was intentional. And that's not how God works. Uh, God gives us freedom. He honors the day. And his mysteries are, are in those sort of everyday providential things are hidden from our sight. But he's given us wisdom to make a decision whether we should vote yes or no. Um, but we should not listen to those who say only Christians should vote yes or only Christians should vote no, because those people don't know who God is. I'm really sorry. Those guys who are saying yes or no from this is what God says. Well, God's view is that I want you to listen to my son. That's God's view. Um, and as for the other things in life, um, he's given us reason. He's given us intelligence to make up our own mind. And anyone who um, tells you otherwise, he's just given a copy of the Gospels. Okay, well, 1-800-316-316. And uh, we're talking Russia. We've also introduced now some conversation around what happens uh, when there is propaganda, when there is a dumbing down, uh, where there is power and control issues. So 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Glenn is in Serena in Queensland. Hi, Glenn. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. How are you going? Thanks, Good. guys, for all your work. Uh, thank you. And uh, what are your thoughts today? Um, just like to contribute uh, perhaps a little um, insight. I'm an ex-soldier. I served in the Australian Army for 20 years, regular army. Um, perhaps the way our brothers and sisters could view our current world, if they look back at history, is you could consider there's been a number of world empires. And it's important to remember that during World War II, Russia was actually our ally against the Nazis in that particular conflict. And in my opinion, um, with the five-eyed nations and from what I've seen, it might be a different way to, to look at the current political um, landscape to view the West as the current world empire. And perhaps Australia could be considered the southern province of that empire. And any empire likes to flex its muscle. It doesn't like to be defeated. It likes to push its agenda. Um, so I'd just like to put that thought forward and perhaps our listeners could say, um, hey, I never thought of it like that. We live in a democratic country, or so we're told. But what's interesting is that no matter how people vote, the direction continues to go along the same line. And we seem to change the jockey but not get rid of the horse. 
I think there's real wisdom in the things you're sharing here, Glenn, because it all seems to be that uh, everyone's on one side here. And so when we're talking left and right and where the Christian discerns truth in all of that, uh, that gets to be challenging too. Let's get a thought or two from Michael. Michael for Glenn. Oh, well, thank you, Glenn, for your service for our country. It's, uh, it's I always, um, I think so, it's an amazing thing um, for those who, who um, decide to, to join the armed forces and serve their country. It's a great thing, uh, regardless of which flag they fight under. There's a real camaraderie there. And I think what you say, you're absolutely right. I mean, Australia is part of the American empire, and we were part of the British empire for a long time. Um, as I say controversially in my article, Australia is a mercenary state. We seem to fight um, many wars that other people want us to fight. Um, in this particular conflict, Australia, one of the reasons Australia is in this conflict is for the uh, for the promised bounty that we'll get once the um, conflict is over in terms of military contracts and reconstruction contracts. Though I probably suspect America will just establish in the backlight that it in, in Iraq and give all the contracts to American corporations. But um, and we, we gave away a lot of Bushmasters to, for free to uh, the Ukraine, which was bizarre. Uh, without any strings attached. Um, but what's interesting, is, as you say, it is an empire. And unfortunately, we are in a in a place where we have so many Christians in Australia. And Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, um, for they uh, should be called children of God. And so many Christians uh, just follow whichever war the government wants. And as a result of this, Christian faith declines. Uh, it's interesting in the Soviet Union, um, I saw footage of what they did. Uh, this is an incredible museum in, in, in New Catherineburg, beautiful museum about Russia. And it's a video museum and they have all this footage of what the Russians did to the churches. Unbelievable. They just blew them up. They just blew them up, exploding the churches, church after church, and putting all these thousands of ministers in prison. Um, but but through that experience, they held on to their faith. And they and as, as a result of that, today Russia is a country where people... Um, you know, they are increasingly free to to practice their faith. And for me, um, I, 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 I do despair of what's happening in Australia because Christians ought to stand up for what the gospel uh, is about, which is, is peace from God, but also peace between ourselves. And our, our, we don't have any human enemy. As Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But even even though we do wrestle against Satan, Satan was defeated by Christ uh, in the wilderness and at the cross. Um, and uh, his goal today is to destroy the testimony of Christ amongst the faithful, and we have to keep going back to what Jesus has done for us. Glenn, thank you so much for your call, and time's running short. Let's squeeze in one more call. Julie is in Rabina on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hi, Julie, welcome. Hi, um, thank you. Um, I haven't heard, I've been on hold so I can hear the radio, but... um just while where the direction had headed, but um, you had been talking about the no vote, but mainly the war with Russia and Ukraine and all that sort of thing. Yep. I suppose like I'm now in my 60s and, yeah, I've been horrified with the way Australia is heading um, of late with freedom of speech and propaganda being um, spread and if it's something different than the government um, believes, then it's, um, you know, uh, misinformation and all that sort of thing. So, um, you know, to me that's been alarming that um, that has been able to happen in our country and, you know, laws coming in 
uh, against freedom of speech and, and all that sort of thing. But I suppose my question in the war um, with Russia and Ukraine, and, you know, you'd make uh, the comment was made that, you know, we don't really know, um, you know, on which side God is and that sort of thing. But um, I suppose, and I only know what's being said to us too through media and stuff, but, um, and hearing uh, people interviewed from Ukraine where women and children are raped and, um, you know, so many violations of human rights. And I suppose, you know, I have to ask myself if a leader of a country is allowing that sort of thing that seems to be quite widespread in that um, war, how could we justly say, you know, it's good that Christians are having more of a free reign there. Julie, I think you're making some good points here. Uh, Just to pick up on this thought and get Michael's uh, insight here, because uh, in the context of our conversation, uh, wherever there are those dreadful violations of human rights, uh, Christians uh, ought to be perhaps speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. Uh, any thoughts here uh, for the things Julie is saying, Michael, uh, and, and, and this thought that, um, you know, whose side are you on? Well, we're on God's side, uh, but uh, thoughts here for the, the sorts of things Julie is sharing. Yeah, absolutely, Julie. Well, it's not a one, one-way conflict. I mean, there are human rights abuses against the peoples of Lubansk and Donetsk as well. I mean, I met a family here in Australia who had a beautiful home in, in Ukraine and um, going well, and the Ukrainians blew their house to bits, destroyed their home, and now they're living in Australia as refugees. And so they've been here for, for, for quite a while. This was well before the uh, the conflict uh, escalated in 2022. So the war's been going on for almost 10 years now. And when I was in Russia, I um, I saw some exhibitions of the children of, of one of these towns where they were stuck under, they, their parents basically put them underneath the, the house for eight years because their town was being bombed by Ukraine for, for eight years. But we don't hear about any of that. We just hear about whatever the American media wants us to hear about and the Western media about the one-sided conflict. I mean, both sides have been accused of war crimes. Um, And war is a horrible thing. And maybe I think the answer would have been if America hadn't stopped uh, rearming or arming Ukraine after February 22, 22 would have a peace settlement. Um, And maybe the Americans and the Western powers who didn't renege on the Minsk agreement in 2014, which they signed in 2015, um, in 2022 in, in February, then then we wouldn't be in this conflict as well. As we know from the Germans, the Germans admitted that uh, the Minsk agreement was a was a farce and they intended to arm Ukraine in the, in the intervening years. And so America um, actually had military personnel on the ground in Ukraine before the conflict began. So what were they doing there? And we mustn't also forget the 130 uh, bio labs that the Americans have in the Ukraine as well. Um, so we've got to ask a question, what are they doing there as well? So it is. It's a geopolitics is a, is a messy business. What I would go back to with Glenn, what Glenn was saying, and that is, Glenn, God honors the soldiers, and he doesn't. You know, he honors the soldiers of both sides, and he knows where they fall, and he knows their lives and their last moments, and and he he holds them in his in his heart, even when we forget them. And for me, as as someone who's been involved with RSL and that, we the, the most important lesson of war isn't the war. But it's what happens afterwards, and we have to. We can never forget the soldiers who fight. We can never forget them, and we should always support them. 
Um, doesn't matter what side they're on because they are often the ones we neglect. And there are tens of thousands of soldiers who have lost their lives in this dreadful conflict. Uh, Thank you so much, Julie, for your insight. Time has run out. Uh, For listeners who want to connect with our guest today, Dr. Michael Sutton, political economist, a professor, pastor, publisher. Uh, His website is freedommatterstoday.com. You'll be able to have a listen in for his thoughts around The Voice uh, on his podcast today. Uh, You're also able to connect with Michael uh, through not only his website, but uh, he has just published a letter, Letter from the Forbidden Land, with the Brownstone uh, Institute. Brownstone.org is the website there. Uh, he's written a number of books. Uh, we, we talked about uh, Is Russia Our Enemy? That's one just recently revised and re-released. Uh, Michael's also writing a book called Journey to the Forbidden Land. Uh, last time we were talking, we were talking about a book that he'd written called Freedom from Fascism, A Christian Response to Mass Formation Psychosis. Uh, so if you want to get into some deep stuff, you could look into those. Uh, but uh, freedommatterstoday.com, Dr. Michael Sutton. Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your insights with listeners today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. It's been a wonderful privilege to be on. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.